Welcome to the Gut Doctor Podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. Today, I will be talking chronic pancreatitis with Anisha Mystery, a physician's assistant with CTGI. Anisha, thank you for taking the time today and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's get started with some definitions here. What is chronic pancreatitis? So it's a syndrome characterized by chronic and progressive inflammation and attempted healing leading to damage of the pancreas. There's the two-hit hypothesis model for chronic pancreatitis, where an initial episode of acute pancreatitis activates the immune system. Then a second hit leads towards chronic pancreatitis if there is ongoing oxidative stress or repeated episodes of inflammation. I see. All right. So that... So the two hypothesis sets up my next question nicely, uh, which is who is at risk for developing chronic pancreatitis? Yeah, so uh, people who have had severe acute pancreatitis as well as recurrent pancreatitis are at risk. Also, a history of alcohol abuse uh, defined as five drinks daily for five years, smoking, hypertriglyceridemia, genetic mutations causing hereditary or familial pancreatitis, and obstruction, for example, from pancreatic malignancy are all risk factors for chronic pancreatitis. Uh, so those are some of the key players, you know, in many diseases, alcohol abuse, smoking, especially. Uh, what are the major symptoms of chronic pancreatitis? Abdominal pain or discomfort is a major symptom, uh, which actually doesn't correlate with the severity of damage to the pancreas. Uh, Other common symptoms include nausea, vomiting, and anorexia. Also, uh, exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is common, which leads to steatorrhea. When you see uh, floating oily stools that can stick to the side of the toilet, and these can be hard to flush. EPI also leads to decreased fat-soluble vitamin absorption and osteopenia. Interesting. So abdominal pain is something that is, uh, I feel, synonymous synonymous with pancreatitis. But as you just mentioned, steatorrhea, vitamin malabsorption, osteopenia could also be manifestations of chronic pancreatitis because of the insufficiency. Um, That's good to note. Are there specific diagnostic studies you pursue to make a diagnosis? Yeah, uh, on CT or MRI with pancreatic protocol, diagnostic features can include pancreatic calcifications, pancreatic atrophy, pancreatic ductal dilation and irregularities. And then during EUS, the pancreas can appear to have hyperechoic strands, a lobular contour, cysts and pancreatic ductal dilation and irregularity, as well as ductal stones. Okay. And so EUS for our listeners is endoscopic ultrasound. Um, So sub-imaging is a frequent prerequisite for diagnosis. Uh, Once your patient is diagnosed with chronic pancreatitis, are there lifestyle changes you recommend? As with acute pancreatitis, we want to counsel patients on the importance of alcohol and smoking cessation, and we can provide resources sources for addiction treatment and counseling. We also want to recommend smaller, more frequent meals uh, and monitoring fat-soluble vitamins is important. And we want our patients to obtain a baseline bone density. What are potential medical treatment options for chronic pancreatitis? I know this is a loaded question. (laughs) So uh, there are treatment options 
to control the most common symptom of pain, patients need to be counseled that the focus will be on pain control as a realistic goal rather than the total absence of pain. The pain associated with chronic pancreatitis is multifactorial in the setting of obstruction, inflammation, complications of chronic pancreatitis, and neuropathic pain. And this leads us to our treatment options. Uh, First line for pain control is NSAIDs and Tylenol. We want to minimize opioids and want to only use them with severe pain. We can use tramadol 200 to 400 milligrams daily, but we also want to use adjunctive medications with the opioids, such as Elevil, Cymbalta, Lyrica, or Gabapentin. And we want to continue these adjunct medications for several months before considering an increase in the tramadol. You can try pancreatic enzyme replacement, uh, but really this hasn't been shown to help with pain itself, although it can help with other GI symptoms associated with exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. We want to also follow up with these patients yearly and more often if they are symptomatic. We want to follow the number of hospitalizations since we have last seen the patient. And we also want to pay close attention to any changes in the pain characteristics, such as jaundice, new diabetes, weight loss, and thrombosis, all of which can be indicators if we should be suspicious for pancreatic cancer. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and repeat that. Um, Jaundice, new diabetes, weight loss, and thrombosis or clotting. So very important to be mindful of these symptoms that could signal the potential deadly complication uh, of pancreatic cancer. When is endoscopic therapy indicated? With continued pain, we can refer patients uh, for EUS-guided celiac plexus nerve block, which can be repeated if there was a response with the initial treatment. If there is a dilated main pancreatic duct, main pancreatic duct strictures, or pancreatic duct stones, endoscopic therapies are indicated with lithotripsy and stenting strictures. Okay. So that's when it ERCP could possibly be, be used. Um, I know you've already mentioned extracrine pancreatic insufficiency and pancreatic cancer, but what are other complications of chronic pancreatitis? So pseudocysts can develop, which are chronic peripancreatic fluid collections present for greater than four weeks after an acute episode of pancreatitis. They can be asymptomatic, but they can also cause gastric, duodenal, or biliary obstruction with symptoms of abdominal pain, early satiety, weight loss, and jaundice. If pseudocysts continue to enlarge and are causing symptoms, we want to refer patients for endoscopic drainage before considering surgery. Uh, We've touched base on pancreatic exocrine insufficiency. To diagnose this, we want to check a pancreatic elastase and start pancreatic enzyme replacement. Patients can also develop diabetes, and the diabetes associated with chronic pancreatitis is a brittle diabetes, uh, so patients should follow with an endocrinologist. There's also an increased risk of secondary pancreatic carcinoma in these patients. And then patients can develop splenic vein thrombosis, which can lead to gastric varices and other complications include pseudoaneurysm bleeds, pancreatic ascites, and pleural effusions. So clearly a very large or long list of potential complications and potentially deadly complications there. Um, Yeah. Thank you, Anisha, for helping us navigate this topic. I, I feel like chronic pancreatitis is, is you see it 
uh, in the differential many times, and it's not always clear what it is or how we're going to manage it. And then the management of it is so tricky because there's no quick fix or simple medication option. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, to our listeners, I will see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gut Doctor Podcast. For additional information about today's topic, please visit ConnecticutGI.org. Your feedback is important to us, so please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay tuned for more episodes of The Gut Doctor, and if you think you may need to see a gastroenterologist, just trust your gut.